You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Kind of a weird thing to come out and admit it, but, you know, he uh, blatantly said that, you know, it was for what happened. I don't think that's what's what's selling your game for your biggest stars, your skilled players. You're saying, okay, if you're a young player coming up, be ready, because this could happen to you at any point. Yeah, it could. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, we are dressed the same again. We're wearing a lot of green. Yeah, and black hats. Black hats, green. You've got a green t-shirt on. I've you guys need to coordinate for the show. There are yeah. different shades, though. Mm. Different shades. Different hues of green. Why are we wearing so much green? You just need to text know. each other what it's you're like, wearing the night it's before. It's like St. Like, Patrick's this is my Day outfit. Make sure you don't wear the same outfit as me. No, we won't do We probably won't. I don't do like that. using the word that. outfit so much. Yeah, no, yeah. I no. could do that. You guys don't FaceTime in the morning and coordinate your, your look? I've never FaceTimed, Jason. <laughs> Nor will I. I don't care for FaceTime. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Uh, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what you're waiting for. Yeah. we got a big show ahead on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. It's a four-guester today. It was almost a five-guester, but it's a four-guester. First guest, 630, former NHL goalie, now an analyst with NHL Network. Devin Dubnik is going to join the program. Laddie is super stoked. Was he one of your favorite goalies ever? Just say um, yes. He's, yeah, he's up, he's yeah, up, up there. Yeah, of that, yeah, of that, yeah, of that yeah, generation, one. sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, Good Canadian Doobie, boy. Doobie, as they call him, is going to join us. We're going to talk about all things goaltending from across the National Hockey League. Are you going to call him that? Doobie? Doobie. Probably not. I don't know him <laughs> personally. Doobie, um, even after being retired, is still expected for to start for Canada at the Olympics. So this is, okay, I'm glad you mentioned Dubnik <laughs> and starting, because in doing my diligent research last night for the show, I was trying to hearken back to maybe some stories that we could ask him about with the Canucks lean. Sure. One of them was that he used to be coached by now Canucks assistant coach, but former Minnesota Wild head coach, Mike Yo. Okay. Mike Yo once started Devin Dubnik for 38 consecutive games. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember the streak. I remember writing about it when we were at Pro Hockey Talk, so I'm Googling away last night. And what do I find? A story about the streak written by Jason Bruff. Who was the backup there? Was it like a cardboard box or something that they couldn't put in? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. My boy's a box. Wow, great save by the box. Uh, Anyway, Devin Dubnik. We'll ask him about the box at 6.30. 7 o'clock, Thomas Drance is going to join us. Why is he coming on so early? Is he in St. Louis right now? No, he's at the airport. He's just hanging out at the airport? Like that guy in the terminal? Yeah. Yeah. He lives there. Tom Hanks? Yeah. (laughs) In the movie called The Terminal? (laughs) That's the one. Thomas Drant's going to join us at 7 o'clock ahead of the Canucks and Blues, which is tonight, 5 o'clock, from the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. 
Uh, at 7.32. Note the start time. He was very specific about this. 7.32. Some guys are busier than us, right? When they have to schedule things like this. I've never scheduled anything for 7.32 in my life. I swear ever. to God, if you call me at 7.31, <laughs> I'm going to lose it. That man, Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, Blues beat writer. He will join us to talk about tonight's opponent. They are now eight games into the Drew Bannister era. I had to look up a couple times. Who is St. Louis head coach? It is Drew Bannister. Uh, 7.32, Jeremy Rutherford is going to join the program. At 8 o'clock, Nick Shook is going to join us from NFL.com. We will do a little NFL talk ahead of the final weekend of the regular season. Do some Seahawks talk. The Seahawks had three players make the Pro Bowl yesterday. All of them play defense, which is weird because their defense <laughs> is terrible. Yeah, Witherspoon made it, Bobby Wagner made it, and Julian Love, who I thought had a really good end to the season, not yep. so much the start to the season, but no one on offense. No. There's a bunch of uh, alternates on offense, like eight of them. Oh, so okay. if someone gets hurt, there's a bunch of Seahawks that have been named to be in line. Like, Is DK Ken- one? Like DK, uh, yeah, mu- DK yeah. must be... Kenneth Walker. But yeah, Kenneth Walker. Is Kenneth Walker their best player now? I think uh, he is. Like, or, I think he's their best player. Him or DK, probably. DK's yeah. had a pretty... I mean, aside from all the, the stupidity with the penalties, he's had mm. a pretty good year statistically. Anyway, working in reverse on the guest list. 8 o'clock, it's Nick Shook. 7.32, it's Jeremy Rutherford. 7 o'clock, it's Thomas Durant. 6.30, uh, Devin Dubnik. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. <laughs> Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? That? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. I should also mention... What's happening and what happened is kind of in that weird in-between because it's already underway. Uh, One of the semifinals from the World Juniors featuring all of the Canucks prospects on Team Sweden. That is underway right now, so we'll keep tabs on that throughout. Uh, Just getting underway a few moments ago, so we'll keep tabs on that throughout. And congratulations to Germany, which was not relegated because they beat Norway in overtime. Good for them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Yesterday was indeed a travel day as the team embarked onto St. Louis ahead of a seven-game road swing that will see them go through St. Louis, New Jersey, New York twice, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and then finally the winter hotspot known as Columbus. Uh, they will have a pregame skate this morning, 9.30 our time, followed by media availability. Puck drop is in at 5 o'clock. You'll hear the call right here on Sportsnet 650 between the Canucks and the Blues. Uh, as for the no, the actual news from yesterday, uh, Linus Carlson, as many expected, including yourself, was recalled from AHL Abbotsford to take the place of the injured field, the Giuseppe, on the roster. Yeah, it's an interesting trip. All these teams uh, have a certain angle to them. St. Louis just went through a coaching change, so uh, we'll see what the new-look Blues uh, look like. <laughs> Uh, the New Jersey Devils, who have a couple of Hughes boys on there. Um, Luke Hughes is playing pretty well. He was one of the stars of the week uh, a little while ago, I think. Um, and the Devils have given the Canucks all sorts of trouble over the last few years. The New York Rangers, one of the best teams in the NHL. I'm really curious about this one because uh, I'm still not sure if the Rangers are for real. Right, I just I I don't know. I'm I'm probably unconvinced about them. Kind of, well, they've got more. 
they've got more of a proven concept than the Canucks, but just how well they've started this season, I think for me personally, is just a little bit of a surprise. The New York Islanders, I don't know if a game against Bo Horvat's team is interesting anymore, but the Islanders are in a playoff spot. So uh, that's going to be a tough trio of games through New Jersey, New York, and New York. And then you go to Pittsburgh, which I I can't figure out what's going on with the Penguins. One game they look good, the next game they look awful. You know, they fall 4 nothing down to Washington, fight back to make it 4-3. So you're kind of like, well, mostly bad, but some good, I suppose. Um, Buffalo, sad club brethren, still sad in Buffalo. And then Columbus, I don't know if there's anything interesting about Columbus other than they've been maybe the most disappointing team in the NHL this season. So an interesting seven-game road trip for the Canucks. And uh, it's going to be a test. There's a combination of really good teams and pretty bad teams. Yeah, so with regards to lineup and who will come, I'm assuming it's going to be Nils Omandra's back in. Carlson goes to the press box. It doesn't sound like Di Giuseppe is going to play for quite a while. Uh, There hasn't been any confirmation on exactly what the injury is, aside from Rick Tockett saying that it was a lower body injury following the win over Ottawa a couple of nights ago. Um, And then you look ahead to the Blues, and we'll spend most of the time later in the show talking with Jeremy Rutherford uh, about... We'll talk uh, talking to Jeremy Rutherford later, and we'll look at this Blues team, as Jason mentioned. Uh, five and three under Drew Bannister since the coaching change, so we'll keep an eye on that. And look ahead as to uh, news and notes about tonight's game. Who's going to get the start net, Joel Hofer or Jordan Bennington? So that's the Canucks story as we move along. Last night in the National Hockey League, relatively light night. Just a pair of games, uh, although one of them rather interesting. We had Austin Matthews scoring his 30th goal and the overtime winner last night as the... <laughs> The Maple Leafs uh, took 57 shots on net, and Lucas Dostal, did I pronounce that right, laddie? Lucas Dostal, in net for the Ducks, 55 saves, a franchise record. Here's what it sounded like, Austin Matthews, game winner in overtime, as the Leafs beat the Ducks 2-1 at the Honda Center on Wednesday night. Overtime game winner earlier this year. Here's Riley with the puck, gets it to Marner in a good spot. Matthews scores! It's a game winner! And number 30 for Austin Matthews. And the Leafs win back-to-back in Southern California. So I have a trivia question for you guys. The Leafs have played 36 games. Mm -hmm. How many games have they won in regulation? I'm going to say 10. It's 11. So close. 36 games, 11 wins in regulation, and yet... They got a pretty good record. <laughs> they got a tremendous record. <laughs> they're 19, 10, and 7 uh, with 45 points. So they're not that far off what the Vancouver Canucks have with 51 points. And yet the Canucks have 23 regulation wins. So the Toronto Maple Leafs have won four games in overtime and four more in the shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, are they good or bad? Bad. I got a question for Laddie. Is Martin Jones good or bad? Uh, he's he's probably not as good as he has been the last little bit. But he's, it's exciting to see. I'm, he's a good dude. I mean, I'm happy to, to see back him Back to do back, it. that's pretty yeah. impressive to do that. He, who's, who's the young guy they got? Hildeby. Okay, because there was the a lot of discussion in Toronto about whether or not Hildeby should have started last night. Uh, I think a lot of people want to see him just out of interest, but I think they just made the decision like, 
Martin Jones played pretty well. Let's do it again. I think if you're the Leafs, you just go with whoever is the hot hand. Yeah. <laughs> That's you got to get goaltending somehow, and they're getting it from Martin do Jones. You th- will the Leafs do something about their goaltending, or do you think they're just going to wait for Wool to get healthy and back? And even then, even then, is it a risk because this is a young guy who's still learning the league? And are you are they really going to be like, let's say Samsonov? They've pretty much written off, right? Like, they don't expect him to be um, a key player for him. If, if, if they, you know, they basically give him the week off to be like, just like, go yeah. chill or something. I don't know. Do whatever, because you're terrible right now. Um, so let's say they don't assume that he's going to be a factor. I need someone to tell me that every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> take a week off. Just go take a terrible. week off. You're terrible. <laughs> you're not a um, factor. But, like, is that – how big of a risk, in your opinion – in your goalie expert opinion, would that to be to say, okay, we're going to wait for this young kid to get back, and then you're probably going to be the guy? I just think from a depth perspective, they need a bit more. Uh, I do, but I believe in Joseph Wall. I think he could be a starter. I think he's already capable, and I think he could have been a capable guy for them in their playoff runs in the right. last couple of years, who, what, if what, not for injury. What are they going to do? Who are they going to get? Well, has, anyone, the has I, anyone looked at the goalie market? Like Everyone's like, it's flush. I'm like, yeah, it's flush with crap. Trey Living there's is pretty proactive, though. I feel like if there's a guy that's going to do it, he'll probably be the guy. I have more confidence that he'll do something rather than if Dubas was like, still he, there. Do you think but... the Preds would trade Soros? I think they will. That's the dream yeah. for a lot of I, these teams that don't have – they're not Solid rushing to do it, though. They're, they're right. going to wait for the right package. They don't need to move Saros. Like, but, do you think the yeah. Preds care all that much about making the playoffs this year? It's Barry Trotz. He loves winning hockey games. Yeah, but, he, but yeah, but he's in charge, and he knows that they need to rebuild there. They need, they need assets. They need, to, they need to draft for the future. So He knows I what it takes wonder... to make the Stanley Cup final, and I think he knows that that roster probably doesn't have it. So right. Why would he rush things? So the Preds are currently in the first wild card spot. That's the other thing that complicates things, right? Yeah. What if they hang on? Right. You're not going to trade Soros while you're like in a playoff. But they have spot. a perfect like person to come in. Askarov is right there. So it's not like they'd be just void of goaltending mm-hmm. if they got rid of Soros. They also, have somebody. Can we also bring up the thing we always bring up is that the trade deadline goalie acquisition hardly ever works out. Right? Yeah, that's like why I, you should do it early and get him get the guy acclimated to the team and the system and the players in front of like them. Like, if Toronto was to go get Jake Allen, or is everyone like, oh, good, they've solved their goaltending <laughs> no, problem? Like, no, it's going to be the same not. questions going in. And then you go down the list of Mackenzie Blackwood, well, you want your Jack goal- Campbell, you want your goalie. Comrie. You want your goalie baked into your defensive system, right? Mm-hmm. You want the defensive system to complement your goaltender's skills. And if you bring in a totally new guy out of the blue – it kind of throws things into disarray a little bit. Um, the other score from last night that does have some relevance locally because the Canucks will be going to uh, New Jersey on Saturday. Uh, Nico Heischer, two goals and assists. Devils beat the Caps 6-3 uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, the Devils are a very talented hockey team. They have won four of five. It's just they had that stretch where guys got hurt and they were a bit ineffective. Otherwise, they'd be higher in the standings. But I fully expect them to well, be a too. playoff team once this thing is all said and done. Interesting note last night, Max Pacioretty made his Washington Capitals debut. First game he's played in nearly an entire year. Last time was January 19th of 2023. And he missed because uh, he's repeatedly torn his Achilles. He didn't air Ro- Aaron Rodgers it and come back in uh, eight weeks. You know, he took his time. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be healthy. I think I'm gonna come back when the team needs me. And he played uh, just under 12 minutes. So good on Max Pacioretty yesterday. I forgot he was with Washington. Yeah, well, I mean, it was such a low risk gamble for them. He signed mm-hmm. a one year, two million dollar deal, and they were like, if you can come back, great. If not, 
you know, whatever. Right. And they've it, kind of quartered the market on those guys. They got Ethan Bear too. That's right. You know what? Just take your time. <laughs> We're not going anywhere until Ovechkin breaks the record. So if you want to come back and play, good. If you want to take your time, take your time. Every time I see a Washington Capitals game, like on my phone, on my score update or whatever i the only thing i look for did ov score that's the only thing i care about two assists last night no goals no goals no goals last night come on ov no don't pass the puck just keep shooting buddy if he doesn't score alex ovechkin probably won't make the all-star game and i mentioned this because today the nhl is going to announce the first 32 players that will participate at this year's all-star game now the only reason i bring this up is previous years i wouldn't have mentioned it as it pertained to the Vancouver Canucks. It'd be like, they got a customer, you got to go. He's going to go and talk about how bad the team is or when Bruce is going to get fired. That's or, not a lot or of Or in the case of Radom Bravada, he's going to go and nobody's going to talk to him. This It was the craziest year that year. <laughs> we went, it was in Columbus, I think. It was the 2015 All-Star Game, and it was the it was the year one of the Radim Verbata experience where he was scoring goals mm-hmm. at a really good clip for the like Canucks. Like, he deserved to be there. Sure, but it was I could not – like all due respect to the guy because he was a good NHLer and he was good when he was here, mm-hmm. but I could not have thought of a, a less underwhelming all-star selection than Radim Verbata from the Vancouver Canucks. Like, no one yeah. was at his podium when it was media no, availability. No, 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 no. He, didn't, he didn't get a podium. He got a little table. He, he got a actually, he got a bar table. He got a bar table. He so there's a bar table. Do you remember that? Yeah. The, like the, the the big players like Sid will get a big podium, yeah. and if PK Subban was there, of course he'd get a podium because mm-hmm. he loves that sort of stuff. Um, and but and Radim Verbata got he got the bar table. That's right. And like the guys from Vancouver, the reporters from Vancouver just went up and were like, "Hey man, hey, what's up? <laughs> what's up?" Horvat, you know what? That was Hor- your flight? Horvat got the same experience when he made the All Star game in when it was down in LA. Yeah. Like, you got to remember, it's who is this young man here? He's very polite. The name of the game, all <laughs> stars. There are a lot of stars in attendance, yeah. so it's hard to get mic time. It's hard to get in front of a camera. There's a lot of other guys hogging it. Well, like that Zuban character, different. Yeah, <laughs> you love that stuff. Different story for the Canucks this season. Uh, I was on with Kipper and Bourne yesterday, and they were asking me about. You did Toronto radio? Yeah, I did. It's not Winnipeg um, radio. He's going to mention Winnipeg this for radio. the next couple of weeks. No, I'm not. It's just it, it came up. <laughs> it came up. And I didn't expect to be asked about the All Star Game, and I kind of was like, I don't, I, I can't remember the format. How many players yeah. go? What and is they the said All-Star like game? which 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 Canucks uh, have to go? And I said, you know, like there's a bunch. There's uh, obviously there's a, five. A, a bunch of candidates that could go there, but the the guarantee, the one that absolutely has to be there, is Quinn Hughes. Yeah, has to right. be there. And I think um, when he is there, he is going to be one of the more prominent players and participants in the all-star weekend you probably get a podium he'll use podium yeah he's he's not a bar he's not a bar table guy but so what's going to happen today is 32 players meaning one from every single nhl team is Mm going to be announced today and then there's not a lot of spots left after that and it comes down to fan voting so although the you could make an argument that there should be five canucks there right should be hughes Pedersen, Besser, Miller, and Demko. Dakota Joshua. And Dakota Joshua. Demko, sorry. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, six, yeah. you know? I think you could genuinely make that argument. Thing is, is there might only be one or two, mm-hmm. and someone's going to get snubbed, Who do you think that'll bad. be? Sorry? Who the second will be? Who will, who will be the snub? Is Pedersen? Oh. Can, can, I, can, I biggest... can I guarantee you that PD's like... Please don't choose me. I he bet he's not. Yeah. He does. There's no way he wants to go down. He there probably won't though. And like, face the media, and all the questions will be about his contract because the reporters, having done this before, you basically cool. go down there and go, okay, 
Um, who's worth talking to for newsworthy yeah. reasons, right? And of course, Pedersen would be yeah. worth talking to. Pedersen would be worth talking to more for newsworthy reasons than Quinn Hughes. I mean, yeah. you go to Quinn Hughes, you're like, you're the captain now. He's like, yeah. Okay, and, nice. And you're, see play- you later. And, you're, and you're playing well. He's like, yeah. And the team's playing well. Mm-hmm. Yep. I sure yep. am, boss. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite color? Petey is just like, hey, team's playing well. Yeah, they are. Are you going to stay? <laughs> Next question. Um, what do you I, think of the city and the fans, Pedersen? Well, and then the Chicago thing. So I think here's the interesting. I think it's Pedersen and Besser that get snubbed, and it's Miller, Demko, and Hughes that would go. I don't on. think Miller's getting there. Well, either. no, I'm, I don't know if three guys will go. I'm just saying if three guys went. I think it's going to be Hughes, and I think it's going to be Demko. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. And in what, and however order that happens. Now, not having Besser there would be weird, because how many All-Star games have there been where the third leading goal scorer right? in the league mm-hmm. isn't there? I mean, and he's firmly in that. You know, at least you could say with Pedersen, it's like, well, he's not the leading point getter on the team. He's not the leading goal scorer on the team. He's 12th in the NHL. He's having a great year. Yeah. But it's not like this egregious snub that he wouldn't go. But, I mean, again, if you look at it, like leaving Besser out would be kind of crazy because it goes Austin Matthews, who now leads with 30 goals. He's going to score 70 this year, I think, which is kind of crazy. Kucherov and then Besser. So, if you look at it, you're saying, well, he should go. He just probably won't at the end of it. On the out-of-town scoreboard, Czechia. Again, Czechia. Uh, they're up one nothing on the Swedes er, uh, with about uh, 11 minutes left in the first. Uh, I did mention earlier before we go to break here, we got Devin Dubnik coming up at 6.30. Uh, big guest list today is we're going to preview the Canucks and Blues. We're going to go both sides. 7 o'clock, Thomas Trance from the Canucks side of things. 7.32, it's Jeremy Rutherford, but we are going to do some NFL stuff as well. But I mentioned earlier in the show, off the cuff, that the Seattle Seahawks, who are still somehow alive in this playoff chase. By the way, we haven't really discussed this. This is the second consecutive year where the Seahawks' fate is going to be largely decided by the Green Bay Packers and whether they win in the final week right. or not, right? Because that's what I remember. I feel like, like the Bears have a really good chance of winning that game. Well, you remember what they're happened. Very, they're very motivated to win that you, game. You remember what well. happened last year with Aaron Rodgers' final game with the Green Bay Packers. was They fell short against the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. and that allowed the Seahawks to go into the playoffs and then get demolished in the playoffs, which I feel like is going to be the exact same thing that's going to happen this year. Probably. It's pretty close, right? We have the at we least have the they won't have, at least they wouldn't if they do make it. And there's probably like a 1 in 4 chance of them making it. If they do make it, they won't have to play the Niners. Right, which is great cuz the Niners will blow them apart. But look, the reason I bring this up is that Sunday could very well be the final game that Bobby Wagner plays for the Seattle Seahawks, but it's not going to be the final game that Bobby Wagner is going to play. Wagner confirmed to our good buddy ESPN's Brady Henderson that he is 100% coming back to play football in 2024. The question is now, will the Seahawks bring him back, and should the Seahawks bring him back? On paper, it kind of makes sense. The guy was a Pro Bowl linebacker for them. He did lead the team in solo tackles with 92. Now, here's the thing. If you're the best tackler on the worst tackling team in the NFL... Is that a good thing? Because the Seahawks run defense, and defense in general this year has been tough to watch. I'm kind of How many torn. missed tackles did he have? I don't have the number in front no, of No, I know, I know. But I, I think it's sometimes it's misleading to, to say, like, he had a lot of tackles, so obviously 
everything's great about him, right? Like, put it, put it, it this there, way. There, there, there's more – there, there, one of the reasons he had so many the tackles is because the Seahawks defensive line let him get there. Put it this way. In the research that – the diligent research I did, Googling you your watch name. a lot of tape? Yeah, I ate a bunch of tape last night. Yeah. I am full. No, I went and looked at, like, the Seahawks echo chambers that are out there, including, like, field goals and mm, stuff right. like that, right? That's a good blog. Yeah, it is very good. Yeah. Um, they did not – no one was ready to put – the tackling issues at the feet, or I guess hands, of Bobby Wagner. No, I'm not yeah. suggesting that. I'm yeah. suggesting that because he had so many tackles, that might suggest a problems elsewhere. It's like, oh yeah, it's, that was it's, the general it's, consensus. Yeah, it's right? it's like you know you got a goalie. He's made a lot of saves. It's like, yeah, but you know that, that doesn't you know like that's because he's got a lot of shots. Yeah. How many did he let in? Yeah, well, so uh, we'll see what happens there. I did mention earlier, though, it's uh, Wagner, uh, so all defensive players. Wagner, Julian Love. Crazy, man. Devin Witherspoon made the Pro Bowl. He deserved to, though. Yeah. He's that good. His numbers don't jump off, and he missed a few games because of injury, but yeah. he's really good, and, I mean, if you're going to look at shining lights moving forward, that's what I'm now. Here's Now, here's where I do the house of negativity on you. This is the second consecutive year that the Seahawks have had a rookie cornerback go to the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Last year... It was Reek Woolen. Right. And he's followed that up with not the best campaign I've ever seen. Let's just no. put it that way. So hopefully Devin Witherspoon can avoid that. He was, he was really good at getting, getting stiff-armed. Yes. Repeatedly. <laughs> that I was his have. expertise this year. Okay, we got to go to break. We'll come back. Devin Dubnik, NHL Network, former NHL goalie, is going to join us next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Uh, former NHL netminder and now NHL network analyst Devin Dubnik is going to join us in just a moment here. The highlight of hour one. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. Northstall Meta Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Quick update from the World Juniors. Now 1-1 in the semifinal between Sweden and Czechia. Theo Lindstein has scored for the Swedes as we get closer and closer to the end of the first period. Uh, no, none of the Canucks trio of prospects in on the scoring there. Although, as you said, Willander was on the ice. That's where There's we're a at. plus. There's a plus. That's where we're at, folks. We're now tracking the <laughs> plus minus of Canucks prospects in the semifinals. Just his mere juniors. presence on the ice helps Sweden score. Uh, let's go to the phone lines now. Very happy to be joined by our next guest, former NHL netminder, now working as an analyst for NHL Network, Devin Dubnik here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Devin. How are you? Morning. I was just saying that as a guy who's represented Canada on a number of different levels a number of different times, including gold medals at the World Juniors and the Spangler, we wanted to start with Canadian goaltending in international play. When we eventually get back to best on best, and let's say that you're going to make a choice, number one goalie for Canada, gold medal game, guy you're going to lead, you're going to put in net to lead the charge, who would you pick right now as the number one starting goalie for Canada in international play? Oh, this is this is such a tough one because you know before it was like it was such an auto, you know, for Canadian goalies. 
you know, we had Broder and Luongo and Price and and now it's kind of like I've I've been looking at them and um, I mean I don't know it's I think I'm going Aiden Hill. Okay. Yeah. I mean, with uh, you know he's he's been followed up his cup run playing great this year and. He's obviously knows how to play on a big stage with the with everything that happened last year. So, I don't know. It's kind of a off the cuff pick, but he'd be my guy. It's not really an off the cuff pick. It's kind of the one that we all concluded too. It feels like it. it yeah, oh, like but yeah, because it felt like it was like, did Aiden Hill just win the Stanley Cup? Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, yeah. he did. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I mean, the, there's pressure in the Stanley Cup, obviously. But what do you think the pressure is like for Team Canada's goalie at any competition? Because we saw at the World Juniors there was disappointment in the goaltending with, with the loss to Czechia. Um, I've always yeah. just felt like, I mean, you know, Roberto Luongo just got honored here in Vancouver into the Ring of Honor. And, and I remember, you know, when he was the goalie for Canada in 2010, I just remember thinking, like, God, he must be – he must be so nervous because there's just like in these, in, especially in the Olympics, right? Like one game yep. can sink you. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a completely different feeling because you just said one game and it's done. One mistake and and your tournament's over, uh, or you know your chance at a gold medal. So it's certainly a different uh, pressure. I mean, I don't I can't even imagine. Uh, what Luongo is feeling being in Canada and then having them tie it up late and going into overtime. But I mean, that's what makes him one of the best to ever do it. But it's just, yeah, it's, I, I think that's where experience becomes very important because you get to be in these situations. Um, guys that have played, you know, you look like, you look at Carey Price and he, he'd been in so many different international situations uh, that when it came his turn to go. Uh, he he'd been in just about every international situation for semifinals against the U.S. and the shootout and in the World Juniors and just all the all the things that he'd seen and it kind of gets you ready to go. So I think that's the best thing is guys to have experience in those situations because it is a different situation. Do professional athletes just think way differently than? the casual fan or the media guys that are just like, oh, what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? I mean, if you can think back to maybe the biggest game that you played, I don't know what it would be, but <coughs> was that was that like, were you, were you thinking, oh, I hope this goes well, okay? Or were you, were you excited about the opportunity more than nervous about the opportunity? It's a little bit of both. I think, you know, to answer your first question, yes. Um, Professional athletes do think differently, um, especially the best ones. That's why they're they are where they are. I mean, you can't uh, you can't enter a situation kind of hoping it goes okay or 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 scared of it not going okay because that's just setting yourself up for for failure. You you know it's and every guy is different too how they approach things, how they feel. Some guys some guys get nervous and thrive off of that, and some guys have no nerves at all and that's how they operate so every guy's a little bit different but you definitely gotta you, you gotta just for me it was making everything as small as possible so I always just tried to think about three or four things that I needed to do that I, I knew if I did was going to give me 
my best chance to play well and then not think about the, the situation or the size of the situation and just remind myself that the game's played the same way, whether it's preseason or the Stanley Cup final. And that's why I had to con- concentrate on those few things that I knew if I did well, it was going to give me my best chance to succeed. And that kind of helped me not think too much about the big picture. We're speaking of former NHL goalie and NHL network analyst Devin Dubnik here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You know, Devin, workloads with regards to the modern goalies is a hot topic of conversation lately. Mark andre Fleury played his 1,000th game on Sunday, and there's been a lot of talk about maybe we'll never see another goalie hit that mark again. Now, you had a pretty remarkable run way back in 2014-15 when you started 38 consecutive games your coach at the time was actually the current Canucks assistant coach Mike Yo. or I remember Jason and I were writing for pro hockey talk at NBC at the time and it felt like every second day we're like guess what Devin Dubnik is starting again in Minnesota <laughs> it was just a consistent headline that we kept writing what yeah. do you remember about that run of starting 38 straight games in a row oh yeah it was crazy it just and it, and it kind of just it kind of just happened it, it almost got to the point where it went for so long and we, and we needed to win every game. Like we were, we were crawling out of the hole trying to get to the playoffs and it became like too long to, to play Kemp's because Kemper was my backup goalie and it was, and then it just kind of kept going on and on. And, and, you know, I got traded there and was, I was excited. I had no idea what my role was going to be. I knew I was going to have an opportunity to play a little bit because their guys have been struggling a bit but I had no idea and won the first two and then lost the third one. And I got pulled in the fourth one uh, in Detroit. And then and we ended up, um, I think we lost in a shootout, but we went on all-star break and came back. And then I started the first game on all-star break, but still had no idea. And then, and then we kind of took off and, and uh, I was playing well. We were playing great. We were winning a ton. And I, I wasn't really thinking. I think the only reason I was able to do it, though, is we had three goalies. So Nicholas Backstrom was there and Kemper was there. And so it allowed me to – I never practiced. I practiced twice <laughs> in like a month and a half. Sweet. Because yeah. I would pregame skate. Hear that, games. kids? The key is never practice. <laughs> Well, when you you play basically every other day when catch after the All Star break, yeah. But it didn't, you know, it allowed me. I wasn't beating up my body in on days in between. It, it wasn't like a, a day off. Like I'd still go into the rink and and do a little workout and stretch and and get treatment and whatnot. But because we had two other goalies, and when most guys went on the ice, I didn't feel obligated to go on the ice. I didn't have to go on the ice because like I wasn't going to ruin a practice by not going out there and then just having one goalie. So, like I said, I'd pregame skate, play the game, come in the next day, get some maintenance, and then do it all over again. And I think that allowed me to go on that run. But probably halfway through it, they kind of realized, like, I think I'm going to play him out here. <laughs> I, can't, I can't see it. Unless we lose a bunch of games, like, I can't see a situation that I'm not going to keep playing. 936 save percentage that year. Yeah, like nine thirty six save percentage. What did it do to the rest of the dynamic of the goal, like the goaltending trio, like especially Kemper, who was just sitting there, is like, I, I think I might get a game eventually, and then thirty eight go by, and he's like, No, I'm yeah, just. He's like, I'm going to win the Jennings. Yeah, <laughs> this like, is amazing. What did that do to the dynamic between you two? 
Um, it was fine. Like, you know, he was, he was a younger guy and, and, uh, he's a pretty laid back guy. So he's not, um, he was fine. And then, and then back, he was, was, was super quiet. So I thought Backstrom hated me when I got traded there. Um, but that's just cause he doesn't, he doesn't talk too much, but that's just kind of how he is. Um, it was fine. I don't know. It was, I, I wasn't really thinking about it too much, but, uh, but it was mainly, um, they would they would rotate backing up, um, but like I said, Kemp's was a was kind of a younger guy and and he's a bit of a goof uh, in a good way, so he didn't take it too badly and and uh, we had a great relationship and ended up playing together going past that as well. Have you actually heard of um, situations where the goalies do hate each other and they're kind of almost trying to sabotage each other because one of the things that came up when Roberto Luongo went into the ring of honor, you know, Corey Schneider was there. He actually emceed the thing. And, um, you know, those two were so supportive of each other. And yet at the same time, they were battling each other for the net. And, and a lot of people, you know, I, I think that took a lot of, um, you know, it took, it, 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 it reflected well on both of them that they were able to form that tandem. Have you ever actually heard of a situation where there isn't that sort of relationship? Um, I don't think it's, it's ever been, you know, crazy animosity. Um, I had a situation in, in, uh, when I was coming up in Edmonton, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything like that, but there was, it was a little different, uh, with, uh, Jeff Delorier, uh, when we were there and, and we got along great off the ice, but there, he was a little different when it came to on the ice, you know, in training camp and stuff, we were sharing a net, like, he just like wouldn't get out of the net and wouldn't get wouldn't let me have any shots. Or if I was in there, he just like he just like come in the net in the middle of the drill. You know, usually you give give the guy a wave like one more shot and I'll change, and he would just like come into the net. So it's kind of weird, but we were we were both young guys that were competing to to get up there. But I think for the most part, it, it, one you can't like it, it's a it's the only other guy in the room that understands what it's like to be a goalie. So you got to, you got to have each other's back and, and stick together and be able to talk to each other and support each other. And it's just, it's, it's not healthy if you have that situation. That's why I think most situations, you know, we look at like Olmark and Swayman, they're obviously, they obviously get along really well, but in order to have success, I think it's, it's really important for your goalies to be close because like I said, the only other guy in the room that knows what it's like to go out there and and be a goalie, so you need to have each other's back and and also you know someone to talk to. Uh, Devin, before we let you go, I did want to ask another list related question, and this one maybe a little bit easier because it's who's the best goalie in the NHL right now on your Vesna list as we get closer and closer to the midway point of the season. Curious to know who your finalists are for the award right now for best goalie in the NHL, and then where Thatcher Demko of the Vancouver Canucks falls on that list. Yeah, um, so that was uh, it's a that's a tough list too because uh, you know usually uh, usually we're just saying Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, Sorokin, right? right. Just give it all to the time when we're talking about top three, but that's not <laughs> the case this year. So um, I definitely have have uh, Demko um, top of that list, uh, Hellebuck as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, Aiden Hill's right up there, but he hasn't, hasn't uh, um, played as much. Uh, Bobrovsky's a possibility. 
Cam Talbot's been great for LA. Um, but I think kind of my, my two for sure's on there would be would be Demko and, and Hellebuck. Well, maybe those two will be at each other's throats in the Olympics or the next best on best competition. At there you go. It'll, yeah, it'll tear the American team apart. That's that, that's our. Hopefully, hope. they get along. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess not for Canadian fans. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully they don't get along. Hey, Devin, thanks for taking the time to do this today, bud. This was fun. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season, and once again, thank you. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank Thanks, you. Devin. Uh, Devin Dubnik, former NHL goalie and now an analyst for NHL Network here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Oh, man, when he's talking about the DeLaurier thing, taking the net, just flashbacks to, to tryouts where you get those jerk goalies that wouldn't leave the net yeah. or would come and push you out of the net. It's like, get out of here. I'm, you want to show the coaches that you can play, and, mm-hmm. oh, their dad told them, to get, get in that net, don't but leave it. But the smart it. coaches will see that. The smart coaches will actually notice that in the tryouts and be like, mm, that guy's hogging the net. Yeah. Yeah. I respect that kid's selfishness. He is <laughs> yeah, my yeah. number one. He that guy's an it. alpha. <laughs> but every goalie, all the, all the, <laughs> not uh, putting old beta Greg in that. <laughs> just seeding the <laughs> look net. At him, look at it. He just took it. He just took it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever like been that guy that just knocks the other no, one out of the way? I was no, always, you're too the, nice. I'm respectful. Most goalies are respectful. respectful. Like, goalies hate the other goalies yeah, that yeah, do that. Especially if you have like a three goalie system and if you have like a, like a, like a drop in, and there's three goalies. There's always one guy that just won't leave the net. And you got to basically force them out. And it, it is a weird. I mean, I'm coming yeah. from a from a soccer background, but yeah. same concept. It's because mm-hmm. it's a very unique individualized position. Mm-hmm. Is that there is a camaraderie and a fraternity, like a brotherhood, because you're all doing this kind of weird thing, right? But there's also only one net. But that's the thing. It's like we're all in this together, except when it matters. <laughs> it's a very then, weird dynamic. Yeah, People and you can't really it. knife the guy in the back. I'm sure that there's more weird situations than what Dubnik was alluding to there, right? And especially when three goalies get in the mix, forget about it. Because then there's one guy that's not playing, period. Right? As we all know, there are only two nets. Well, they call it a three-headed goalie monster for a reason. Right. I mean, and and I, out of hand. I have yet to see a team that, I mean, I guess... Mike Yo in Minnesota cracked the code, and he's like, "We're going to carry three goalies, but we're only going to play one all the time." The other, two are, the other two are practice goalies, very yeah. expensive practice goalies. Like you two practice goalies fight to the death, and then let <laughs> Dubnik have all the games. Like that's the way you deal with it, I guess. But do you remember when that trade went down and he went from Arizona to Minnesota? People were like, "Devin Dubnik's going to solve your problems." And all he right, did. Yeah, he started in Arizona that year. Yeah, so it was yeah. Like, oh, maybe. But it was after he'd had a tough spell in Edmonton. Yeah. His career right? like flatlined. Like he was yeah, all yeah, out yeah. of the. He NHL. went to Hamilton. Yeah. He was in, with the Bulldogs for a little while. And he, he let in a goal from the other end of the ice with the AHL team. So yeah, it was right. like, okay, this, he's done. I wanted mm-hmm. to, And then he came know, back. I did want to ask him about, because he also played under Bruce Boudreau, right, during the, the, the latter tenure of his time in Minnesota. But we ran out of time. Let's I, get him back for another, not not tomorrow or anything, but like. <laughs> he's little, like hey, Devin, it's me again. <laughs> 604. How many times no, are you guys going to call me? I, I just, I love talking to goalies that have been through it, right? Mm-hmm. And the ups and. And the downs because, you know, my question um, when I asked, like, do professional athletes think differently than, you know, casual fan or fans or media? Like, of course they do. I know the answer to that. And he's like, yeah, they we do. Sure but do. I do. But I do wonder um, how low it can get for a goalie that's really struggling. Like the one that would come to mind right now is like, how is Samsonov thinking? Like he, he, he what, what is he like? He wakes up every day is like. I was a pretty good NHL goalie, and now you know pe- people are writing articles like you are unplayable. Like yeah. the Leafs have to do something. Like Martin Jones, Samsonov is is 
is struggling so badly. Well, he's not even on the. I guess he's not on the team anymore. Is it? He's down with the Marlies, but not no even, longer. A but of not the even playing roster. with the Marlies. They just basically said like, take a week off, do whatever you got to do. Just you know, don't think about hockey or whatever, which is probably impossible. But you know, he's in a position. He's put the Leafs in a position of having to play Martin Jones in back-to-back games, and good for Martin Jones for getting the job done yeah. in a big way. But it's kind of like. Um, when a pitcher loses it, like speaking of Toronto, like what was Manoa thinking last or year? Ricky like, Keel or something. Yeah, he's like, he's like, wait a minute, did I just like forget how to play this position that's gotten me to the top level of sports? I, I think it's a fascinating psychological um, aspect, and there is there is that aspect with skaters as well. Like, what is Jonathan Huberto going through right now? What is he thinking? But I just think with a goalie. You're just so more. You're, you're just you're just out there, and you can really cost your team more than a guy who's just not scoring. Like you can just yep. absolutely cost your team games. And Jonathan Huberto isn't helping his team, but I think you can you know, you know watch a Flames game, and you're not going to put everything on Jonathan Huberto. No, no, it's it's all that understanding that the position and the player they exist on an island and they're out on their own. That's why the similarities to a baseball pitcher work. I think golf is another one that you could oftentimes, even though golf is a purely individualistic mm-hmm. sport, it's one that you can identify with some of these positions because success or failure, rightly or wrongly, ends up on your shoulders, right? Like, for example, Canada losing in the quarterfinals of the World Juniors to Czechia, countless reasons why, right? A, b- a bunch of top six forwards not named Celebrini don't do their jobs, Yeah, they, but... I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about the, the poor kid Rousseau, Rousseau, who honestly didn't even play badly. But now we're looking at, well, could he have saved that one in a crucial moment? That's a lot to shoulder. It's a paradox. You love the position for the same reasons you hate the position. Yep. Yeah. It's all the pressure that you get. And you're there. You're on the ice the entire game. You're unlike any other position. How many right wingers have had poor games this year for the Canucks? That just go unnoticed. Well, of course. If you're a goaltender, yeah. you have a game like that. Guess what? You're losing five one, <laughs> so the there's other, no corner to hide. Well, in. the other question that I wanted to ask Dubnik about the goaltending in particular with the tandems is where he would have ranked Vancouver as among the best in the NHL right now because that's one of the stories that we haven't talked a ton about. Seems like every time he goes in, we do, but we should mention it more that like DeSmith hasn't just allowed Demko some rest, including over the Christmas break, where mm-hmm. weirdly he got that start against Philadelphia. But he's been incredibly good coming into a new situation. Now, I mean, I don't know how familiar anyone outside of the Pittsburgh guys were with him. I don't think he played with a ton of guys yeah. in Vancouver. And he's been, you know, hand in glove. It's been a perfect fit, and it's really helped the Canucks ascend to where they are in the standings. Speaking of the Vancouver Canucks, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver is going to join us on the other side ahead of tonight's game. Canucks, Blues, 5 o'clock at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. So the next hour is going to be all Canucks and all Blues as we look ahead to tonight's game. Drance at 7 o'clock. Jeremy Rutherford, also of The Athletic, at 7.32. Update your wall charts accordingly. He's coming on at 7.32. We will look ahead again. Canucks, Blues, tonight, 5 o'clock from the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. You can hear it all right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, First hour in the books, hour two to come. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.